Morning, folks. So we're just going to look at the Word of God now. There's this beautiful story in the Gospel of Luke. Luke 24, verses 13 to 35, if you want to look that up in your Bibles. Luke 24, 13 to 35. Um, and so this is the road to Emmaus. And so much like I'm walking down the road at the moment, it's a lovely, glorious day. Look at the blossom on all these trees. It's lovely. Um, but just like I'm walking down the road, after Jesus' resurrection, there are these two guys that are walking on the way back from Jerusalem. They're going back to their hometown, and then they have this amazing encounter with Jesus. And he walks along the road with them, and he speaks into their lives, he speaks into their hearts, and it's just such an encouraging story. So we're just going to find somewhere to sit down and read this, and then I'm going to explain a few points from it. And so we're reading from Luke 24, verses 13 to 35. It says, Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they walked and talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognising him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? He asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel and what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going a bit further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognised him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. What a super encouraging story. We're going to just carry on walking along the road now um, and I'm just going to bring out a few points. There's so much in here that we could talk about but I'm just going to make a few observations. Okay and so my first kind of point is more of a question than it is a point and it's this. What do you know of Jesus? We're told here in this story that Jesus joins two men who are coming back from Jerusalem um, and they're going to a town about seven miles away and they're talking about everything that had been going on in Jerusalem, about the death of this guy who claimed to be the Messiah um, and whose body was laid in a tomb. But then the body went missing. And um, 
They don't know really about the resurrection. They've heard some stories, but they're referring to Jesus as a teacher. They're referring to him as a prophet. And so the question that I want to ask you is, what have you heard to be true about this individual called Jesus? The question isn't, did Jesus live? The question isn't, did Jesus die? The main question is, did Jesus come back to life after death? Because if he did, then we really need to listen to his words and pay close attention to what he said about himself. Jesus claimed to be God. It was that one claim of being God that Jesus was actually crucified for, was for blasphemy. Now, what have you heard of Jesus? When I was growing up, I heard a lot about Jesus. I went to Boys Brigade and um, I, I didn't really take much of it in to be fair. I was there mostly because of the girls in the girls' brigade, being really honest. But I remember um, sitting in the church service some Sunday mornings and hearing this stuff about Jesus. I had to go to the band and so we'd play in the morning sometimes in Hextable. It was funny. And um, I remember sitting there and hearing all these things about Jesus, about how he was a healer and about how he was um, divine, how he was God. And I sort of, you know, like, leave it out. It's, that can't be true, can it? Maybe you might be a good teacher. Maybe you might have some good things to say, but saying that you're God is a bit of a stretch. And so I thought of Jesus a little bit like sort of a John Lennon type figure who went around sort of wishing everyone peace, you know, like peace man, peace to the world. A bit like Gandhi, you know, someone who's a very inspirational figure in human history but as for being God, well, that's just a bit of a stretch. And so I, don't, I want to ask you, what, did, what have you heard about Jesus? How are you approaching Jesus? These men on the road, they didn't know that they'd actually encountered him. They didn't know they were actually talking to him. And the thing that Jesus loves to do is to reveal himself. And we see it with these guys. He, he's, he's talking to them, looking at the Old Testament, and he's saying, far from, oh, the God of the Old Testament is different than the God of the New Testament. It says here that Jesus goes to the Old Testament, he goes to the scriptures and he starts to reveal himself to them. He's explaining to them all the way from Genesis right the way through to the end of the Old Testament who he is, where he is, his character, his nature. And even then, after the most amazing Bible study probably in all of human history, they still don't quite twig that they're in the presence of Jesus himself. I want to ask you, what do you know of Jesus? I think if you were to look at his word and you were to ask God to reveal himself, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, will very happily speak truth into your heart. We hear of these men that their hearts started to burn with fire as Jesus was explaining who he was. That happened to me when I was in a church service in my early 20s. I was burnt out on drink and drugs and having lots of loose relationships. And I was in a church service and I heard this message of Jesus and my heart started to burn. My soul was on fire. I couldn't explain what it was, but something in me was changing. I was starting to find hope. I was starting to find life. There was something in me being kindled, a fire being started for the holiness and the glory of God. And I wanted to know more about this man, Jesus. Was he who he said he was? And so I want to ask you this morning, if you don't think he's that man, if you don't think he's more than a man, then ask him. 
look at his word, spend time talking to Christians like me or any other Christians you might know and start to see what happens to your heart. When you spend time with Jesus, you begin to discover who he is. We're now going to hand over to a friend of mine called Clyde Thomas. He's going to share for about five minutes his story of how he came to faith in Jesus. The first time I took an ecstasy tablet, I can honestly say it was one of the best feelings I've ever had in my whole life. I had a loving family. I used to enjoy playing sports, just like any other kid. I used to enjoy hanging out with friends. Things just changed dramatically um, after I smoked cannabis for the first time. I just always wanted to be out with my friends, smoking weed, smoking bongs. Hundreds, some days I would spend a thousand. It just depended however much money I could earn, however much money I could raise, that is what I would spend. And it got to the point where I was, I was just ripping people off. I was just, you know, getting drugs on tick and just not paying it and not caring. And I, I got to that point where I was actually stealing even from my own family. I felt confident, I felt, you know, chatty, I felt like I could engage with anyone I wanted to in life really easily when I was on the drug. But then obviously the come down was, was really, really depressing. And I had this kind of up and down thing going on literally every day of my life. And that led me to some really dark places. So I walked into the Argos store in Boscombe. I walked up to the jewelry counter that I picked the most expensive bracelet that they had. I think it was like 599 pounds, if I remember rightly. This big, thick gold bracelet. And I said, would you be able to let me try this on? The moment I got the bracelet on, I took off on my feet and I legged it. I went down the road from Argos about 300 yards to my dealer's house and I swapped the bracelet for drugs. There and then, within five minutes. They phoned my dad and they said, your son's been arrested, he's in, in the cells. I was, I was just wrecked and I was depressed, I was broken, um, I felt hopeless. The only thing I could think of in that prison cell, 24 hours a day, was getting out and taking more drugs. And the chaplain of the prison came to the cell door. He opened the hatch and he said, Thomas, because they call you by your surname in prison, and he said, can I have a word? He had some news. My mom had phoned into the prison to try and get a message to me um, that a friend from Leamington Spa had committed suicide and he'd actually taken his own life. He was an alcoholic. And really that was the first time, I think, in many years that I actually thought, man, it was like a wake-up call from the inside. I just remember breaking down into floods of tears with this chaplain next to me on the step. I'll never forget his words. He put his arm around me and he said, can I pray for you? And I, I just remember saying, pray for me. What on earth can God do for me? And he just prayed a really simple prayer. I don't even remember it, but I just remember being in floods of tears. And then he said, I'm going to just give you a book. He gave me a testimony book called Within These Streets. And then he gave me a little Bible, a Gideon's Bible. I was on my own, nothing to do, no one to talk to. So I um, gradually, every day, used to go to sleep, and I started thinking about the Bible. And I was like, why am I thinking about that book? And every day there was something inside of me that was just screaming out, open it, read it. And I was reading this testimony book called Within These Streets, 
and I was reading the Bible. And what happened was the Bible at first didn't grab me, but the testimony book did. Because I was reading about a man who maybe 20 years before that had a pretty similar experience to me. That's like my life. But what this guy was doing is every so often he was putting scripture. So then I was taking the Bible out and I was looking up the scripture from the testimony book in the Bible. And I was thinking, wow, this guy's story is in the Bible. Like, what is going on here? And at the end of the book, it pointed you to Psalm 40. He lifted me out of the miry clay, set my feet upon a rock, and he's put a new song in my mouth, even praise to our God. Many will see fear and trust in the Lord. And I just said, God, I don't know how to get out of here, but I need your help. Would you change my life? That day, I knew that God had given me a purpose in life and that I was not destined to be a worthless drug addict who one day was going to die of an overdose and be buried in the ground. I knew that my life had a new opportunity to make a difference in the lives of other people. To bring that pressure. As a church, we, um, we have a real heart for rehabilitation. We have a real heart to see um, drug addicts changed and their lives put back on track. And you know what that is? That's a great picture of restitution. That's me saying, man, I did all this stuff, but now I'm going to use all that. I'm going to turn it around and I'm going to use it for God and for his kingdom. And it's the greatest privilege in the world. Thank you so much, Clyde, for sharing your story with us. We really appreciate that. And so that moves us on to our second point, And that is Jesus turns hopeless hearts into ones that are full of hope and life. Clyde's story about how he was in a prison cell and someone extended prayer to him literally changed his life. He found Jesus in that moment. That's what Jesus loves to do. And no matter how far gone you feel your life is, no matter how bad things might be, no matter how dark life might seem right now, no matter what you've done or what's been done to you, no matter where you've been or what you've been through, there's always, always hope. And that's the beautiful thing about the resurrection. We see here in this story that the guys are saying, it's already been three days. He was nailed to the cross on Good Friday and now it's Easter Sunday and we still haven't seen Jesus. And the great thing is, friends, we're here to tell you, or I'm here to tell you, that the risen Jesus is alive. His life can be your life. The darkest, the deadest, the most lifeless parts of your soul can be revived by giving your life over to Jesus Christ. Resurrection life, the life that was dead in a tomb for three days and then rose again, overcomes death, it overcomes sickness, it overcomes sin. And so all of that stuff that knocks around in our heart and in our soul and in our mind and convinces us that we're worthless, it can be killed. It can, it can be completely demolished and literally stamped on like Jesus stamped on the devil's head. Friends, this is a powerful invitation. That's Clyde's story. That's similar to my story. Every believer I know has had to make a decision to make Jesus the Lord of their life, literally putting the crown off of their own head and putting it onto Jesus's head. That is an incredible thing. Jesus brings hope where there is hopelessness. He brings life where there is death. Every single life can be turned around with Jesus. And then that brings me to the third and the final point, And that is this, that to receive this resurrection life, we've got to want to sit down and commune with Jesus, to spend time with Jesus, to break bread with Jesus. We see that here in this story. 
that they journeyed all the way with him. They even invited him back to their room to carry on, carry on the Bible study. They didn't want it to end because their hearts were on fire. And it wasn't until Jesus actually went and sat with them and broke bread with them and they actually took part in that. I think they were taking communion with him. They were having wine, they were having bread, representing Jesus' broken body and his blood shed on the cross some three days earlier. And as they did that, as they communed with Jesus and they literally took his life into themselves, their eyes were opened and they saw him for a glimpse as he truly is. And then he vanished. And then they had this amazing story that was written down for us to be encouraged by today. And so to receive resurrection life, we need to embrace the death of Jesus, literally his crucifixion. To receive his life, there's a bit of dying that needs to be done. You can't have resurrection life without first deciding to go to the cross with Jesus. Jesus says that if we want his life, we have to embrace his death. We literally have to lay our lives down by choosing to go to the cross ourselves and say, Jesus, I want it all to die. It's all got to go. But in your death, I also get your resurrection life. And so when people are baptised, they're literally being buried into the water and then they come up again in new life. That's why many Christians believe in baptism. It's like a thing where God gives us his grace. It's like a seal that makes us his children. And so I just want to encourage you this morning. What do you believe to be true about Jesus? Do you believe what I've shared with you this morning, that this man is far more than a teacher, far more than a prophet, but he's actually God himself who laid down his life so that you might have a new one? Do you believe that in the most darkest and deepest and hopeless situations, God is a God who's able to bring life and joy and abundance? All you need to do is follow him. And do you believe that by going to the cross and nailing your life to that cross that you will receive resurrection life. And so I'm gonna hand back to myself in our house in about another hour's time. And I'm just gonna invite you to follow me in a little prayer. If you wanna receive that resurrection life, if you wanna receive Jesus as the King of your life. Thank you for listening.